0: Um, Why don't we start with some prayer, okay? I really need some prayer, so we're going to pray. God, we just bring ourselves into your care. And we ask you to move and to guide as it's your good pleasure with us this morning. I pray that you would bring to mind the things that you want to talk to us about, you want to deal with. And you would call us into something greater today. You'd call us into a greater faith, a greater um, bit of freedom and anything else that you want to do. So Holy Spirit, by your power and by your leading, I pray that you would make us free in your presence to receive and accept and understand everything you have for us that is said and unsaid that you want to communicate. And we give all this to you and we ask for you to bless it and for you to use it and to do good work in it. In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Moved by the Spirit. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the celebrity we have in Steinbach. It's our version of Dancing Gabe. It's the pizza lady that dances with the paper guitar. Anybody see that? Has anybody seen that person? She is one of my heroes for all of life. Okay? Because nobody can be that free and be okay. It's... It, yeah, it's the little teasers lady, okay? She's on the street corner, she's got the big paper guitar, and she is jamming all evening. And cars are passing, and cars are thinking what's going on, and she's dissuaded, but she, she doesn't care. I don't know what to do with that. It makes me uncomfortable. And yet, I want to be her so bad. I told Helga uh, a week ago, if I could do that for just like an evening, I, I'd rule the world. I would be unstoppable after that. If I, could, if I could jam on the plastic paper guitar for everyone to see one evening, Tonight at five. That, would, hey, that was a 9 o'clock thing. It was an 11 o'clock thing. Okay, people try to call this into life and it's, it's not about that. Okay, it's just an illustration. It's not a prophecy. Okay? I could take over the world. Okay? Okay? Okay, but you guys would all come and it wouldn't be about pizza at all and that would just be making the whole thing kind of gross. It's not about that. What moves us? What motivates us? What sends us into motion and into action. That's the thing I respect about this girl so much. She's fully motivated. I don't know what she's motivated by. That's craziness. but like, But against all odds, she's just going for it. And she's not a poster girl for a life in the Spirit. But she does remind me what life in the Spirit should be. And that's an extremely active life. A life set in motion on things that aren't necessarily seen but are propelling us into beautiful acts where we take risk, where we look ridiculous, where we don't know what's going to happen because we're propelled by something within us that puts us forward when everything else in us tells us to hold back. That's what life is in the Holy Spirit. And it's a life of constant movement. Not ADHD movement, right? Not nervous twitches, not anything like that, but we are motivated by something within us. Because God's Spirit is always on the move, always. That's why He came, that's why He stayed, and that's why He's finishing what He started. He is always accomplishing the will of the Father. And so Pentecost is great. We can celebrate the Spirit. We can celebrate His gifts. We can celebrate His peace. We can celebrate some of the ways that He shows Himself in our life with prophecy and tongues and different things like that. And that's wonderful and excellent. But God's Spirit came to push us and to pull us in different directions And to fill us with a fire that's meant for the things around us. And for God's purposes in the world. Because His Spirit is always moving. And the life in the Spirit that we're called to live is a life that's always moving with Him. And so we want to look at a story of that in Acts chapter 8. And I get to use the clicker today. And so that's great. This is the story of Philip, the evangelizer, and the eunuch from Ethiopia. Acts chapter 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. Very simple. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. This is Isaiah 53. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, With whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself? And the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus, and as he passed there through, he preached the gospel to all the towns, until he came to Caesarea. So this is Acts chapter 8, 26 to 40. And the thing that I want to spend the morning on, the thing that we've already started to talk about, was the activity of the Holy Spirit in this story and the truth of that Holy Spirit in our lives. So we can read Acts two ways. We can read Acts as the blueprint about how to do everything in the Christian life or we can read it for the concepts and the truths that it tells us about who God is and what His Holy Spirit wants to do in us. Because not everything in Acts is going to happen to us just like it was written. Some of that is just descriptive. Some of that is just historical information when we read Acts. We're not all going to have tongues of fire over us when the Holy Spirit comes. We're not all going to manifest with tongues or prophecy. That happened then and it sometimes happens now to different people. But that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit isn't with you. But prescriptively, we want to know the truth about who the Holy Spirit is and what He wants to do. And one of the deep truths of Acts in this passage is God is on the move and He's calling us to come and join Him. Okay, now, I'm a doer, I'm a worker, okay, I like to get things done. The danger can be that I feel, I can sometimes feel closer to God if I get lots of things done. Maybe that's just me, I'm sure nobody else has to deal with those kind of things, But you can hear this message as God wants to do stuff in us as this is a message about getting more accomplished. And that's not what I hope that you guys hear today. It's not about doing, it's about participating in whatever God wants you to do. And that's different. Okay, God isn't asking us to do more, He's asking us to be faithful with what He has for us to do you just got to see it a little differently. It's less about doing and it's all about participating because God has wonderful, amazing things for us to do and he's asking us, do you want to be a part of this? Do you want to come and join me with what I'm doing? I'm going to accomplish my will. God's going to accomplish his will and he wants us to come with him. And it's the absolute best thing we can do with our life and it can be big and it can be small and it doesn't matter. If we're saying yes to what God wants us to do, if we're being obedient to his call, it doesn't matter what that thing is because it's the best thing for us. And the Spirit shows that he's moving in this in many different ways in the story of Philip. See, Philip didn't just get to the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. See, Philip's circumstances and the eunuch's circumstances were all working together to bring them into this one moment, right? There are crossroads all the time in our life where people that should have never crossed paths are together. It happens all the time. and It's not by accident. It's not a what was the odds of that kind of thing. God is orchestrating these things And they're beautiful, divine encounters. And they're built on circumstance because God is ruling and leading and guiding in all of those things. He's bringing things together. Jerusalem and Ethiopia is the same distance as Winnipeg to Victoria, B.C. Okay, so the eunuch got on his chariot, asked the queen of Ethiopia if he could go worship at the temple. He was probably a proselyte, which would be... uh, Not a Jew, but worshipping as a Jew and wanting really to be a Jew. Uh, But that was kind of the closest they could get. But he was going to the temple to worship, all the way from Ethiopia. Okay. Philip was sent out of Jerusalem because of what? Persecution. So this horrible event of persecution where Stephen is killed and everyone scatters. The scatter wasn't meaningless because God took and really put himself in all of them and sent them out and said, okay, if you guys are going to run, you better run with the gospel. And it spread like wildfire. It's beginning of Acts chapter 8, it says that, that everyone went, everyone fled, preaching the gospel as they went. And Philip ends up in Samaria, which Jews did not go to preach in Samaria, and he did and the response was wonderful and amazing and and there was a huge uh, revival there but in that God is taking the eunuch and God is taking Philip and he's smushing them together in this one encounter and God is orchestrating stuff like that in our lives all the time all the time but often we think that our circumstances are actually helping God determine what he should do Because he needs to bow to our circumstances And not the other way around Our circumstances Good, bad and ugly And we all have them all Do what God tells them to do Okay God plans for all of these things He uses our circumstances And he creates divine encounters That are beautiful, beautiful things Okay, but it doesn't always go like it's supposed to be Two days ago our lawnmower died. Now, if this isn't the Lord... I mean, lawnmowers can die for any number of reasons, but our lawnmower died. It was working perfectly. You know, one pull lawnmower, ran out of gas, we put new gas in, good to go. Uh-uh. Didn't work anymore. Okay? So, a- <laughs> after I've finished getting frustrated about the lawnmower, which is always the first reaction, unfortunately... Um, I prayed, I said, God, you're talking to me about your appointments, you're talking to me about circumstances, you're talking about your spirit always moving. Can you please heal my lawnmower? Not, without, not, with, not away from God's realm of ability to heal my lawnmower. He didn't heal my lawnmower. But at the exact time that I prayed, he sent somebody over to my house who dropped what they were doing and drove home and got their riding lawnmower and mowed the rest of my lawn as quickly as we would have probably finished with our push mower. Okay, so the results look different, but I need to see the Lord in that. I need to see God using my bad circumstances, not only for me, but he now got to work through somebody else. And he keeps smushing people together like this all the time. How fertile was, was the ground for Philip and the eunuch? That guy was ready to go. I mean, there wasn't discipleship that was needed. There wasn't a whole bunch of like seven steps of freedom or freedom session. You know, heaven forbid. Like it, It's just, this guy was like primed. Philip shows up there and, and he's reading this perfect passage that Philip wants to expound on him for. And, and Jews didn't get Isaiah 53. They couldn't comprehend that this Messiah might be somebody that would be that decimated as Isaiah 53 says. That can't possibly be our Messiah. And that was the exact same passage that the Ethiopian was reading. This guy was primed to go. But think about this godly circumstance, like not only was it 200 or two, 2,500 kilometers from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, but the road to Gaza was 60 miles long. Let's remember, Philip caught him from behind. They, they would have never intersected. Ever. If Philip caught him from behind on the road to Ethiopia, which was 25 kilometers away, don't let me lose you on this rambling here, they, they would have never found each other because they were going in the same direction. And Philip left after him. And the Uthman was on a chariot. So, never going to meet. And yet, God brought them together. How important is it not only that we allow our circumstances to lead us in God's directions, not only that we're willing to be led in those ways, but once we get there, God has a plan for these encounters. What was Philip's job? Philip's job was to explain Isaiah 53 to the Ethiopian and to baptize him with very little questions asked. This is often the stumbling block. Yeah, God, I want to be used by you. I'm good with that. I'm good for you to send me to some places. But what's going to happen when I get there? What if I'm going to be ill-equipped? What if they're going to ask me a question I don't know? What if I'm not going to be able to help them? And Philip didn't have to do that much. He's just faithful. He just cared for the person right there. We can think that being led by the Spirit is this terrifying thing, and it, there are elements that it can be, and that it's way over our head, and we they can't possibly do this. But the story, the Spirit does all the hard work. But are we willing? This is the question. I think we can all agree that, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm good. God uses our circumstances, even the really bad ones, which should encourage us. That, yeah, He's going to send us in different places. Yeah, He did that with Philip. It was all through Acts. I see it in my life. God likes to do it. Good, yeah, I can, I can handle that. God creates these divine appointments. We've seen it time and time again as people heading down just different ways or T-boning together and they're it's just perfect 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 okay i can make my peace with that and yeah i think god can use me in those moments i think i think so i th- i think i might have read enough of the bible that i could probably explain something i think i still remember a bit of that year of bible school i could probably help i got some spiritual gifts that god will give me So I think we can come to terms with that. But are we willing to surrender our lives to that model? Because that's the model of the Holy Spirit. That is the thing that is prescriptive in Acts that isn't just descriptive. He's not just saying, this happened in Acts, but now the Holy Spirit doesn't really want to do that anymore and He's more happy just kind of Sending people here or there, but he doesn't want to do these big things to us. What is prescriptive, what is normative, which means this is what you should be doing from Acts chapter 8 and through the book of Acts, is saying we serve an active God with an even more active Holy Spirit, and he needs some vessels. He needs some people to work through. And this is our life in the Spirit. A life that's always moving, always being directed. Always being directed. Are we willing to do that? I got a prophetic word maybe two months ago, three months ago. And it just so beautifully is an example of this willingness to be used by God. Laying down the results. We live in a result-driven world. It's not helpful. It's not helpful. Okay, it sends us spinning in all sorts of different crazy directions. It puts all sorts of bits of pressure on us. And we lose the joy of the journey with the Spirit because we're so concerned with what's going to happen because I only get judged on what happens. Not how it went, not what my role was in it, not if I was faithful or obedient. I get judged on what the results were. And those results, everybody then gets to tell me if it went well or not. And we all live in this model. It's not helpful. Results, not good. Okay, it's good to get things done, but we're, we're, we're judging by that. So I got this prophetic word, and it was really simple. He wrote it on a piece of paper, and he said, I was praying for you, and God wanted me to give you this. Here you go. And he just gave me the paper. And I'm like, okay, cool. He's like, okay, well, I gave it to you. I'm done now. That was my part. So you do with it whatever you want. And that was it. But, but that's life in the Spirit, right? That's an example of it because it wasn't about, well, oh, I gave him this word and he didn't cry. He didn't fall on the floor. It must not have been a very good word, right? He didn't start repenting and confessing as loud as he could in front of everyone. I don't know. I must have got it wrong. But God isn't asking us for results. He's asking us to partner with him. Take what I give you, do with it as I ask you to do, and go find something else that I'm going to give you. Come for the next thing. You look at the interaction of Philip and the eunuch at the end, so Philip baptizes him. Very little questions asked. It hardly says in the text. You have to look at the footnotes for the, cop- the conversation in their baptismal tank, which is a body of water. It's in the footnotes. Verse 37 isn't even in the text. And the guy says, what should stop me from being baptized? And Philip says in verse 37, well, do you believe in Jesus? Yep. Okay, good. So you can read the text and get the fuller version of that. But that's the gist of it. And then after that, he's gone. They're just done after that. Get out of the water. He gets back on his chariot. Spirit whisks Philip away. Just go back up towards Caesarea preaching. And this guy leaves, and everyone's good. And we see this in church all the time. We have these ministry sessions, and we pray for people, and there's tears, and there's crying, and there's confessions, and there's beautiful things, and the spirit's moving. And then we say Amen. And it's like, okay, well, keep on, keep it on. Have a have a good day. Take care. And that's it. And it doesn't have to be anything more than that because. God has already used us in the situation. These little intersections, because that's the point. The point isn't how gracefully we end, or how miraculous, or how um, explosive it is. It's this faithfulness in the moment. That's what God's asking us to do. We will get so exhausted if we get hung up on results. Okay, let me let me let me tell you. Let me let me use myself as an example because that's I'll just I'll tell you. So I, I planted grass this this uh, summer. You're not supposed to do that. It's not doesn't work. So don't plant grass in the summer. And it was like molten lava hot this week with no water, and that's a problem. And so I spent the week running around like a crazy person trying to water my lawn as often as I could with, like, sprinklers and hoses and different things like that. And, and, like, I now know every bit of dirt on my yard because I inspected every bit of dirt all week. And nothing happened. And so I wore myself... It was like a newborn baby. You're getting up in the middle early in the morning. You're coming home at your lunch break to water. You're watering way before or way after you should have been in bed at night. Like, it's crazy. And then, God sent the rain. And everything changed. I spent a week obsessing horribly over my yard and in 24 hours... God did ten times the harvest that I could have gotten with my watering. And the truth of the matter is, this is, learn from my mistakes, please. I have many, so you can learn lots. But we, we do this. Often, us feeling like we need to be led by the Spirit just sounds like work and stress and anxiety, But God sends the rain and the harvest comes. Okay? But it's on God's timing. And it's God's provision. And He decides. But we can't even come close to matching what He can accomplish. So we actually shouldn't even be trying. And it's a battle. I spent a lot of time just praying for my grass and then It would get a little bit dark, it would get a little bit dry, and then I would stop praying and I would start obsessing, and it's like, no, this is not the way, it's not the way to do it. 1 Corinthians 3, I planted, this is Paul, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. This is our life in the Spirit, looking to God to give the growth. He brings the harvest. Our harvest needs rain, not sprinklers or hoses. And this is the same Spirit today. As we looked at Acts chapter 8, this is the exact same Spirit that's within us today. The Spirit hasn't changed. It wasn't a back then and a now. The Spirit hasn't changed. His desires, his plans, his motivations are still the same. The opportunity that we have to work in him and move with him and operate in his strength is still the same. How can Jesus say, It's good for me to leave? Because he knew his mission wasn't ending, his mission was multiplying. When we say yes to Jesus, when we say yes to his Holy Spirit, we are saying yes to becoming a brand new ambassador of the exact same mission that he was on when he was on the earth. We often think, just like Mary and Martha said, if you just would have been here, everything would have been different. Why weren't you here, Jesus? Do you see my circumstance? You weren't here. And the answer to that, you weren't here, is the church, full of the Spirit, because in us, Jesus is in every situation. But He's lying dormant, or He's not. He's answered the question, once and for all, if you were just here, and in all of us, think of the multiplication of us 110 people, or something like that, that are sitting here, without even breaking a sweat, we could touch four, six, eight people today. If every opportunity was to answer that silent prayer from people, why, why wasn't anyone there? God, why didn't you intervene? Why didn't somebody explain this to me? I was so confused. I was so lost. Why do I not have a home? Why can't I be a child of God? All these silent prayers... That God wants to answer through each of us. And he wants to send us on our way to do it. Because the Spirit moves. The Spirit moves. And we're not alone in this. Please don't hear me say that God is looking again for people to do his work for him. That's not how God partners with people. We are never more united with Jesus than when we're obeying His Word, when we're stepping out in faith, when we're listening to His voice, and we're going to impact as much of the world as we can on His behalf. We are never more intimate with Jesus than those moments. He's not asking us to do His work for Him. He's doing His work through us. And that's how we really commune with Jesus. That's how we really meet with Him. Why is it so hard then to consistently live a life moving in the Spirit? Because it is. I have a few reasons for us. They probably just all pertain to me, but I'm sure some of them will pertain to you as well. Why is it so hard that we, that we consistently move in this spirit? The first one is this. We forget. And here's what we forget, I think. Often, we believe the spirit is there to comfort us because he's a comforter. To give us rest. To bring us into truth. To speak unspeakable things to us. To heal us. He's all of those things. He's in charge of every sign, every wonder, and every miracle that we ever experience. But his His deepest... Means is to send us out. When the Spirit first came in Pentecost, it was a flood of multiplication. Every fire, every tongue was not meant to simply be enjoyed and basked in. Not that we shouldn't enjoy the Lord. But that was His purpose, His mission was to send out His church. And to really impact the people around them. So I think I think we tend to forget sometimes that the Spirit wants to send us into situations where God isn't worshipped, where truth isn't believed, where freedom isn't walked in. Secondly, we're afraid. We don't move in the spirit. Consistently because we're afraid. What if? What if I lose control? What if I look ridiculous? What if the person rejects me? What if that prayer for healing doesn't work? So God God puts all this stuff in you for somebody else and then we rationalize it away. We want to meet somewhere in the middle that's safer, that we're not going to lose face, and we're not going to be exposed. And what if, but, but church, what if we didn't obey the Lord in those things? What if God was downloading His divine purpose for the person right next to you on the street, in the store, in your home, and we chose to not act on it? What if then? Because there's a lot at risk. Thirdly, we doubt. This surely couldn't be the Lord telling me to go do this. We doubt His voice in our lives, we doubt His message. We rationalize it away, we think too logically. Couldn't possibly have been wanting to use me. But we need to know the Word. How do we fight over-rationalizing and doubting His truth in our heart, in our minds as we want to be led by Him? We need to know the Word. I would venture to say that you don't even need to hear from God if you've read it in the Bible and you think it applies to your situation You can probably assume God wants you to do that. Even if you don't feel like He's given you this really big burden, you've heard His voice in it. But if we don't know the Word, we can't check the things that are going on within us. And we're a slave to our doubts. We're a slave to our fears then. Because we're only listening to one voice. And those voices within us never need to win. But we need to gauge it against what the Word says. We're too structured. Again, maybe that's just me. Every time I would run the last little while, before I turned 37, and now running was prohibited. Um, 37's not even old. Um... I would often hear from the Lord, why not that person? You're running, they're right there. They might need somebody just to stop for them. And that's as, that's as much as God can sometimes use us. But we think, I'm like on a personal best right now, Lord. Like, if I maintain this pace, I'm going to break my record. I mean, nobody will know or care, but I'll know. Okay, and that's just enough structure for us to say, I don't think that this is actually what he's wanting me to do right now. Because he, he, he knows what's on the line for me. He couldn't possibly want me to stop. But it's a structure. The more we move, the more we are moved. That's very simple. And I think very true. Because Philip didn't just get to be this way, where he said... Probably. Where he said, why don't you just go start traveling down the road to Gaza? It's 60 miles long and it's in the desert and you don't know where you're going, but you should just head south. Yeah, that sounds, that's good enough for me. Like He probably didn't start there. He probably had led a life already of listening to the Spirit's voice Obeying regardless of what he was being asked to do and seeing God move mightily. And God wants to take us on that same journey as we hear his voice in everyday things. He's going to say, I think I have somebody who really listens to what I say and takes it seriously. Okay, I can get a lot accomplished with this person. Because I know my spirit's just roaring to go, but I need people that are going to take me at my word. So Philip didn't just get there, but he had gotten there. Fifthly, we don't recognize his voice or his promptings. Often we don't recognize his voice as he's leading us into situations because we don't hear his voice any other time. Before God wants to send us out to somebody else, God needs to know He has our ear just for the sake of having our ear. Because we're in relationship with Him. Because we're meeting with Him regularly. Because we're expecting Him to talk to us when we open up His Word. When we come to Him in worship. When we sit there quietly with nothing else going on. Just saying, God, if you don't speak, it's going to be really quiet and awkward. Right? But, but we need to start hearing His voice there first. So that we can recognize it when He has something for us to go and do for Him. Something to participate in. And lastly, we think we are unqualified. We just think, God couldn't possibly use me for this. Let me remind you that the disciples were sent out as the twelve to go before Jesus into all of these cities, communities, casting out demons, healing the sick, and preaching the word. They were already doing what we're called to do today. And this happened before they squabbled about who was the greatest, during the communion table, before they asked if they could call down fire to an unresponsive city, and before they left Jesus at the cross. Because this life in the Spirit, the life that calls us to move, is a life of discipleship in real time. And He sends us out, and He does business with us as we go. Often through the things that He sends us. He's very good at multitasking with us. And God will usually ask you to do something that also has a hidden scraping for yourself. And that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. Church are we willing? Where's Greg at? Greg you want to come up? I want to end a little early so we have some time here. Are we willing? That's the number one question we need to ask ourselves. Are we willing? I want to give you some some things to walk through I read off this list of six and I think there's something that we can all lay down so I'm going to just read the list again and if God is asking you to be willing to lay this thing down then I would invite you just to do that so the band's going to play and I would I would actually invite you to come up and in your spirit to have a transaction with the Lord. Where you lay that thing down, out of your seat, at the front, laying that thing down. I'm not going to let this thing keep me from a life full of excitement in the Spirit anymore. I'm not going to disqualify myself from meeting with the Spirit regularly, knowing His presence in my life, and knowing with reckless abandon I'm available to Him at any time. Anytime, anywhere, for anyone, all the time. But are we willing? I bring the sprinklers, God brings the rain. So if God is bringing you rain, respond. It's not my call. It's God's call in your life. So I would invite us now. If we struggle with forgetting about God's desire to move on our behalf for the world around us, if we struggle with forgetting that, why don't you come up and just give that to the Lord. Just lay it down. Ask Him to fill you. If we're afraid, if the what-ifs can't seem to get us off the floor, why don't you come and lay that down? Pick up a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. If we doubt if we're too structured, if we don't recognize His voice and we can't move forward at all, come and lay that down and receive a new ability, a newness in the Lord. Guys, if we think we're too unqualified, that's everybody. Come and lay that down. There's no more excuses. Are we willing? This applies to us all, but are we willing, church? I bring the sprinkler, God brings the rain. Let's obey His voice as we worship. And there will be people to pray with you as you bring and you lay that down, expecting to come full of the Lord as you leave. Amen. Amen.